0: night, good evening, and uh, we are getting ready to launch into uh, our next class on uh, Shemona Esrei, on the 18 blessings. Um, this week, we are going to be learning about the bracha of hashivenu which is the bracha that asks, in which we ask Hashem for teshuva, to help us return to Him. Sometimes people think that teshuva is just for Yom Kippur or aserisimei tshuva, the 10 days of repentance. Uh, And um, that's because they don't properly understand what tshuva is and uh, don't properly take the opportunity to focus on tshuva each and every day, three times a day, we ask Hashem for tshuva. So it's not just about ni'ila and kol nidre, tshuva is so much broader, so much, uh, so relevant each and every day. And in this class, uh, we're featuring Rabbi Menachem Mendel Blachman, uh, the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshivat Kerem B'yavne in Israel, and uh, he's going to be speaking broadly on the topic of tshuva. Afterwards, I will uh, hop on and uh, put in s- and add some comments uh, specifically re- relating to perish hamilim, to the specific words of the bracha. Whereas Rabbi Blachman is going to take us on a tour. Um, an exciting tour of the world of tshuva and that's coming in just a minute that way of introduction i'll mention to you that uh, rabbi blachman is as i said uh, a um, a very cherished teacher in yeshiva he's also a student um, of uh, many great torah giants of uh, the last generation including uh, rabbi yitzvah kutner and Rav Sim, Simcha Zissel who was the Rosh Yeshiva of Heven Yeshiva with whom Rabbi Blachman had a chavrusa, one-on-one learning for many, many years. Uh, and I personally had the, had the merit of attending, of, of uh, being in Rabbi Blachman's shir in his class when I was in Israel. Um, I attended his Shear at the end of my first year and beginning of my second year at Karim B'Avne. And I'll just mention one thing in connection to, uh, in connection with tshuva. Um, the uh, um, you know Rabbi Bachman is known for his uh, Talmudic expertise uh, and also for his uh, very energetic and colorful uh, style and uh, um, uh, novel way of looking at things and thinking about things, processing things. So in addition to Rabbi Bachman's Talmudic expertise, um, I can tell you a, a personal uh, insight, um, speaking about tshuva, about how important it is not just to learn the Torah, but to apply it to our lives. When I was in Kamd uh, I was eight, 19 years old, and I was in his shir. We were learning Meseches Nedarim, if I remember correctly. My Chavrus at the time is actually the current American Mashkiach, David Zetz, of the yeshiva. We were learning together. And there was an occasion in which students of the yeshiva had come together for a Shabbaton in the yeshiva. This is the yeshiva, it's a Hezdi yeshiva, has a large uh, degree of Israelis who enter the Hezdi program, and also American boys, like myself and many others, who passed through the yeshiva and gained so much from it. And over the course of the Shabbaton, it was was a nice Shabbaton, it was was great to see uh, some of the products of the yeshiva. Uh, um, but at the same time, the administration and the Rabbein himself were taken aback um, that some of the attendees of the Shabbaton had slipped a little bit in their practice of Jewish modesty, of tzniyas. And this was something that uh, they took very seriously. Even a small slipping in these matters that are omdim, that are of supreme importance, are very important. And I remember he came into Shir, I think it was on Sunday, right after that Shabbos, had Shir on Sunday. And uh, he wasn't able to get get into the Gemara that we were learning because it was disrupted by people's lack of of, uh, completeness when it comes to their convictions in Torah. It's not just about learning Torah, it's about behaving in accordance with the values and teachings of the Torah. And he said, you know, if what we're doing here in our shir, in our learning together, doesn't affect our behavior, then what are we doing here? Maybe we should just stop everything that we're doing and proceed to learn a sugya, a section of Gemara that has to do with siniyas, with the concept of Jewish modesty. Let's just stop the whole thing. And this is undoubtedly he, this is after he prepared and, and had set up a whole curriculum for the rest of the Zman, the rest of the semester, and he just threw out this radical concept of let's just stop right here, put on the brakes, let's delve into a topic that's, uh, that's relevant to, the t- to, to, to what we're talking about, to the slipping in SNEAS, to the slipping in, uh, in Jewish modesty, and let's, let's get into that. That's exactly what he did the next day. He gave out source sheets and totally flipped the whole zman on its head. The plan for the semester was totally changed, and for the rest of the time, that summer zman, that summer semester, we learned that sugya, Arosh uh, that has to do with modesty and um, that, in addition to the actual subject material that we learned, that, uh, that, that move where we changed with the times, where we addressed this notion of tshuva, tshuva uh, meaning returning to Hashem, remembering Hashem always, and even when we're engaged in spiritual pursuits, we still have to remember Hashem. That was a very, very strong message that I received at the time. So that's my bit of, of uh, and obviously to this particular audience, the one I'm speaking to right now, the most, the biggest claim to fame uh, that Rabbi Blachman has is that he visited Atlanta last year. <laughs> um, this was a year and a half ago, the Pesach before last, around then. We had uh, the per- privilege right after Pesach of having Rabbi Blachman here in town to speak to us, so many of you remember him, remember his teachings, and, uh, and that's coming up in just a minute. I'm gonna get the video started. Uh, tonight's class um, is uh, generously sponsored. As I've mentioned in the past, uh, we're able to offer the Mind and I class series free of charge, um, and, uh, and that's thanks to generous, generous, uh, generous sponsors, like, uh, like this week's sponsor, which is uh, Amir and Shira Schuster, um, respon- sponsored this particular class, uh, and really the Schuster's were um, just dedicated to the series in general. So they said, whatever class we can sponsor, we're happy to do so. So thank you to Amir and Shira Schuster for your sponsorship. This class should be as chusk for the Rafu Shlema, in the merit of a Refua Shlema for Shirley, Perla, Miriam, Bas, Iris. So thank you very much. Let me load the video. And uh, I'll come back with you in about 45 minutes to wrap up the class. Okay, here we go.
1: It's been a while. Uh, a pleasure learning with you and teaching with you. Um, I have great memories of the Atlanta Beth Jacob community. You should only be zayich to continue being a habatistair. It's a beautiful thing, and we should always, always have the pleasure of doing this together. Well, the uh, bracha that I am, um, have been invited to teach is the bracha of Ashivenu, Avinu Le God bring us back to your Torah and let our our king please uh, bring us close to your service actually it means to your servitude and thus bring us back with total returning that's what it means in front of you I'd like to understand what those things mean what does it mean that you ask God to uh, bring you back to his Torah then bring him close to his servitude, ultimately bring you back with total return to him. The obvious question that starts here, what does it mean here when we use the word Torah and then Avodah, reminds me of my days in the Akiva, which that Avodah then meant I'm um, picking up oranges and some kibbutz. But we also understand that when we talk about Torah and Avodah in the, um, in the Siddur we're talking about Torah means limut hatayrah the knowledge the information given the internalization understanding and the internalization of the knowledge of the Torah and then ultimately the um, uh, avodah means the servitude literally something which is constantly um, I think misinterpreted they interpreted as service Uh, we are not in service of God we are servants of God God is our king he's not our employer uh, we are actually slaves. Something not simple to uh, to hear or to internalize. It means to say we are totally enslaved to Him. Our will is His, and uh, and our and, and our life is 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 His to take and to give. I'd like to understand that too. But whatever it is we're talking about, God, take us back to your Torah and ultimate to the knowledge, and ultimately bring back to your service, and through that. We will stand and be close to you. <laughs> By somehow getting close to your knowledge, getting close to your service, we will finally stand up upright in front of you, yourself. Now there's an old question asked, and that is, um, you know, if chuva is a mitzvah, something which we're expected to do, thus we have free will to choose to do it or not, why would it be that we ask God to intervene in our free will and please bring us to tshuva? I thought it's supposed to be our mitzvah. We're supposed to be doing this. Do you ask God, please uh, make, uh, I don't know what, help me write a mezuzah? <laughs> uh, please uh, make sure my filling are kosher tomorrow. Do you pray for that? Do you pray for any other mitzvah that you're going to please? Let me help me or make sure I'm fulfilling the mitzvah. Say, uh, I know. Make sure we put on tefillin. Borcha to Hashem, about Banachas Tefillin. Blessed are You, the Lord, that wants tefillin to be put on the arm and on the head bless you the Lord uh, that, that wants kashrut, so therefore we should help us, please make sure that we do kashrut. We obviously don't bless for God's, inter- we don't pray for God's intervention in our free will. We don't pray for God, please to wait, make sure it happens whether we do or don't want to. No, we. Our, j- our job is to want it. What exactly is this prayer when we talk about tshuva? What is this prayer? Well, to understand that, I'd like to start from from from, from the very beginnings of things uh, to understand what exactly is this shuva and where it comes from, and ultimately trying to understand what is this mitzvah and thus where is the place of asking God's intervention. Well, the pasuk starts in Tvarim in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me find it for a moment. Yes, verse three where the Pesach says over there, V'aya, and we'll come to place, with all these things that I mentioned, both the blessings and the curses that were mentioned, blessings when we adhere to the will of God, and the curses and the tragedies which occurred to us when we are wayward and walk away from the will of God, both the blessing and the, cursings, the curses, the which I had presented in front of you and told you these are your options, i choose, when these things finally occur you take things to heart you translate cerebral knowledge into emotional intelligence you will bring it to your heart you will take it you will internalize it it will become vivid and real not just some theoretical theological idea wherever you be amongst all those nations which god had dispersed you between them you will certainly Take your religion to heart at that point of time. You will then return to Hashem, which is written here with the letters of Yud, hey, and Vav and He, which we will explain. And your Lord, you will return to God, your Lord. You will adhere. Uh, to his voice equals, as we know in Ramban, it means you will hear what his voice has to say. Like all the things which I command you today. If you do this seriously, you've internalized it, and you will listen not just to the words, but what the words have to say, then it'll be you will hear this, and your children will also hear this you will hear this with your total heart equals with your total emotional involvement with your total emotional intelligence with your all sense of self nefesh means soul it means living soul nefesh actually means that expression of the soul which is expressed in being a living organism you will under you under tragedy and under the you will then take this all to heart at that point of time, you will hear it and then see it and hear the music, not just you but your children, totally and with your whole sense of self. At that point of time, the shav ashemel HaShvutcha is then that God will bring back. God the Lord will bring back those remnants of you which after can be brought back, equals back to Israel, back out of Galut. And he will actually have a he will have mercy upon you. He will return, he will he will gather you from all the nations. Where God, your Lord, had thrown you asunder. Shama, there you are. Scribes, should you're, you're far flung, be at the end of the heavens. God will bring you back, your Lord. He will take you from wherever you are. God the Lord will bring you to that land which your forefathers had inherited and you will finally realize your inheritance. He will do good to you. One more Pasuk. At that stage in history, God your Lord will, so to speak, take off the callous husk which covers your emotional capabilities so to speak, metaphorically, he will circumcise your heart. He will sensitize you and take away those things which have that husk of callousness, which is therefore not allowed you to internalize things emotionally and react accordingly. That's the vav on your children's heart. And then, only then, you would truly love God then. with your whole focus and enthusiasm with the whole essence of your life, for you realize that this is your life. This is the psukim we're talking about. These are the psukim we're describing promises of God that in galut, when things are bad, we will somehow internalize our values. Ultimately, we will return at the end, and then God will bring us back, and he will actually take away our callousness, and we will attain... The bliss of ultimate love in the god it doesn't seem to say that there's a commandment here of returning to god it's a prophecy that it will happen and that's the way most of the um, medieval scholars interpret this and that's how rambam interprets this rama himself writes in the laws of tshuva when he brings this pasuk he calls it it's actually found in the 10th chapter the laws of repentance he calls this pasuk not a commandment but a promise Yes, it's a promise that one day we will all return to God. Though it's a long process, I still remember, you know, for goodness sakes, when I was a boy growing up in the 60s in America, did anybody dream that Orthodoxy would rise and people would suddenly develop a religious consciousness and a movement towards coming back to their faith? We were sure that Orthodoxy was on the way out. Oh yeah. The neighborhood in Chicago, the conservative synagogues were busting and booming. Didn't have too many reforms there, but conservative was very popular. Even many of the Orthodox were somewhat called traditional. They had uh, gotten rid of the certain parts of the Orthodox practice in the show, the machitz, etc. for whatever reasons. It's uh, not my place to judge or to describe. But at the end of the day, Orthodoxy was on the way out. And then God knows how and why and this is not the place to talk such an upsurge. Such a suddenly searching for God. The people came from all over. Literally, you know, people in motion. Like there used to be a song by Scott McKenzie. People all going to San Francisco. Beautiful people with flowers in their hair. In Judaism, there was also a certain movement of wanting to get close to God. Wow, it's a long time since then. And that movement is continuing in one way or the other. It all leads to the ultimate prophecy of the days that will come. Yes, you remnants of the Jews, you will all repent. And this is the prophecy here. It's a haftacha. But Nachman writes in his commentary to this pasuk of vishavta adashemalokecha here in Deuteronomy 30 verse 2, that this is actually a mitzvah, a commandment to return to God with tshuva. Interesting to see that Rambam Taka does not codify as a commandment in his um, list of commandments, nor does he codify it in the Mishnah Torah as a commandment. No, he codifies that if and when you do tshuva, you must do it in a certain way of confession, etc. The style of how it's supposed to be done has been has been legislated, but yet we don't find a commandment in, in Rambam of repenting. The language of the Rambam in Hechot Shuvah, laws of repentance in the first chapter, the first halacha, is Kol sheba all for, uh, positive commandments and all commandments in the Torah, whether they are positive, uh, active commandments, whether they are restrictive commandments, should man have transgressed on either of them, bein whether it was done with intent or by mistake, when he will repent, when he will repent, he will return from his sin. Then he writes the word, then he is obliged, and he must confess in front of the Lord, blessed be He. There is no commandment for the tshuva. It would seem to me that the tshuva is taken for granted. Now, what does that mean? Religion takes tshuva for granted. It only legislates, taking for granted, you're going to do it. This is the way you must do it. Can't elaborate this too much. This is not the forum. But let me try to explain what this really is. Understand. Look at the words carefully. The pasuk says, "V'shapta and you will return, Ad Hashem Elokecha, until God, your Lord." You know, repentance. I was always taught to mean you are sorry and you you regret bad actions. And doing tshuva means to say, "I'm repenting from a sin." What does repenting to mean? Repenting to something. It doesn't mean repenting. It means returning. Returning ad Hashem al Now what do those words mean? So here, you know, I'm an old sinner. Yeah, And for many years I tried to find out what makes me do these stupid things. You know, you have these feelings that every time, sometimes you do you say, oops, that was stupid. And ultimately, all the small oopses get together. And on Rosh Hashanah, you really do a big, oh, come on. Rav Nachman writes at the 100 kolot, the 100 uh, blowing of the trumpet of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. They're an accumulation of all the oops you did all year. All the small regrets after you did it, they come together. You know what it is you start looking at what you did and say listen this was really stupid and you're making some commitment I'm going to try to live with sense and that's the blowing of the show for remembering your mistakes remembering the oops that was stupid so the other question is what exactly is the stupidity that people which causes them to sin or why is it so hard to do tshuva why is it so hard to do tshuva I mean we do believe in God we do believe that uh God realizes what we do what we think what we say he even records it it's almost like a uh, like a like a Hooverian nightmare like you know what I mean like a big brother <laughs> he's everywhere he knows what you're doing he knows what you're saying he knows what you're thinking Yet you will do and say in front of God what you wouldn't do it in front of your mother. How does that work? Do you believe in this God or don't you believe in this God? Do you believe that uh, I in and I sees Ozen Shema'at and the ears hear and everything you do is recorded? You do believe it. Oh, you did Pirkei And yet you do it do you think he's busy writing tickets on 42nd street uh, or he's a Irish police cop and therefore he's busy in a pub on Tuesday evenings? Like uh, how does this work? How does this work? If we would know what causes us to sin, we would know what to fix. Working on symptoms without dealing with the major reason behind it it may be short-term relief doesn't really provide the possibilities for true success sometimes i think that the from people don't really do chuva. they we pay lip service to it but we're not doing it because i think we're missing the mark i think we're missing the mark you see, the Pasik says, ad yudke vavke You were turned in front of Yudke Vavke Elokecha. Yudke vavke, your Lord. Now, what exactly does that mean? So, let me start with one thing, and that is as follows. In the book of Mitzvot, recorded, the Rambam, my mind, he has a book of Mitzvot which records all the 613 Mitzvot that were given to Moses at Sinai. <laughs> And there's a, interestingly enough, he does not mention the first, he mentions the first mitzvah as Anochia Shema I am God your Lord that took you out of Egypt. He sees that as a mitzvah. To know that, to understand that, to internalize that. Rambam brings that the earlier onim people that preceded Rambam felt this was not a mitzvah, rather, this was that which is needed in order to have a mitzvah. First, believe there's a king and a creator. And then he will, you will take upon yourself to believe, to accept his decrees. Well, I think they're both true. But let's try to understand what the words mean. Anochi, it is I. Yudke, Vavke, which we call God. Elokecha, your Lord. Lachman, in his commentary to Chumash, on that says as follows. In Parshat Yitro, which is an Exodus, a beginning of Matan Torah. We have over there the Ramban in um, chapter 20, verse 2. Anochi, tis I, Hashem Elokecha, I am Yudke Vavke, which is your Lord. He writes as follows Hadavar Hazem say, This statement is a positive commandment. Amar, God said, Anochi, he introduced himself. Listen carefully, it is I, which is Yudke. What does that mean? Yoreh, he teaches, V'yitzaveh, and he commands, Sh'yed'u, that they must know, No, know, and they must believe. What is knowing and believing? Well, let's start with that. You know, believing, mean to say, basically, you accept a certain truth as schematic for many reasons, you, without thinking about it, within, you accept it as a fact. You accept it as something which you uh, which you live with. I definitely believe somehow out of nowhere that the statistics are that the airplane pilot, which will take which will fly my plane, was not drunk and will not drive my car, my plane into it into a mountain ridge. Happens. Well, did I at least check the statistics to see whether it's true or not? Do I know the blood, the alcohol level of the blood in the blood of certain pilots? Well, have I even bothered to check the statistics? No, we don't bother. No one bothers to accept certain things because that would basically curb their comfort level. You could not live and survive, or rather you couldn't thrive if you constantly had to prove that the wheel is round. Why do you trust your doctor? Did you even check his diploma? Do you know the rate of people cheating in certain schools? Or who knows what? We are forced to trust things because it ought to preserve our comfort zones for whatever those comfort zones are. We trust them totally. I drive on You eat food in restaurants. You take medicine. Did anybody bother reading those Horrendous pieces of paper in the medicine box saying, if you eat, if you take this, God knows what can happen to you. You just do me a favor, throw it away and go further. Do you ever buy software on a computer? computer? What do you do? They send you like a megalot, a stare of information, which you don't bother reading. You scroll at the bottom, check it, and go. For goodness sakes. For all you know, you just mortgage your house. No, no. You trust things blindly you trust things you endanger your, your your health wealth and security you trust them we all trust things that's called faith it's not something which we have which we understand internalize so we live with we depend upon and then this called knowledge knowledge is something that you basically have internalized to make it real and vivid you no know, i believe that um, drinking coca cola is not healthy for me still do it. I believe that eating french fries is not healthy for me. I still do it. But I know that smoking is dangerous. So I stopped. I believe that speeding is dangerous. Therefore, we continue speeding. But you know that COVID uh, is not exactly good for your health. You're all going to walk around with masks or whatever it be. To the extent that you've internalized it, it's become vivid or real to you. You have a healthy emotional reaction and you live with it totally. To accept it's only belief, it's a bit selective. You accept it. The acceptance is needed. But you know what? Yes, no. We have many beliefs which have not become knowledge. They've not become internalized. I believe, you know what I believe, like, you know, in the Christian art, Iconic I think, belief is like a light hovering above the head. It's not been brought into me. It's something I depend on from above. Judaism needs the light to come into your face, and your face must radiate with that light, as it radiate with Moshe, Koran, or Pana. The ideas have to become internalized and become part of who you are until you and your contents radiate with them. Rab, Ramban says here, Anochi Hashem for, you'd have to do, Amuna, but you also need Yadiah. You have to internalize this to work very hard and internalize this is a vivid real truth. there is a god, Elohim and he is their Lord. Klomar, what does Yudke mean? The Ramban says, the primary existent and source of existence of all. Meito haya called all that comes and is is only from the primary existent called God beifits with his will be a with his omnipotence that is God when you talk about Vavka, i believe that he there is a primary existent that all of existence all finite existence period is an expression of his will and his omnipotence that's what i believe I believe when I look at the, uh, the laws of science, when I go to uh, Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe in, in Africa, and I see the wonders of nature, I put my eyes into my telescope or my microscope, and I see the complexities of, and beauty of reality, and I say all this is an expression of His will, His wisdom, and His uh, and His capabilities which he has expressed his infinite self in these finite forms. (laughs) That's number one I believe in. Ultimately, the world is his, and the agenda is his, for also I am that form which is created by him. (laughs) And thus he is my Lord, because I realize I am nothing more than an extension of his ego, will, etc. I am obliged by knowing this truth that he is the source of it all, and creation is an expression of his will. Ultimately, the goal of creation is the expression of his will, and I am here, I have been created to facilitate that will. Thus, I am obliged by the nature of my identity to be enslaved to him, in servitude to him. la vodoto. then he writes the show and he elaborates and explains because during the 10 plagues in Egypt God reintroduced his monotheism to the world and showed how he is the creator he is the leader he manipulates he changes and he leads us into history this is anaychi hashem alakecha So Bahag, the Gaonim thought, this is something that we know, certain things we know because we know our history. We don't have to command things on the obvious. That knowledge is the reason why now we must listen to his his laws and his commandments. Why listen to God? Because you have no existence outside of him. Because all you are is a a projection of his image. So creation is nothing more than... His idea, which he has a purpose for, which he wants to lead it to a certain place, and we've been here to facilitate that well That's the only way I can describe myself. Ultimately, I'm going to do it. The truth is what pushes me. What obliges me to do the mitzvahs is the truth of Anarchy Hashem believes, and Ramban also believes, it's also a commandment. It's a commandment to do what it takes. Not just to believe this, not just to accept a certain philosophical doctrine, but to totally depend and put your life on it and to internalize it, move it from cerebral intelligence to your emotional intelligence, from your chachma to your dot, from just being a halo or, uh, or a radiating face in- to internalizing into your persona being a radiating person, that is a You know why we sin? Because we haven't internalized that. We believe in God. We don't know He's there. Oh boy, my mom's around. I know. <laughs> With God, I believe. Yeah, I'll give you a little anecdote. When I was a child, um, for four years of my very young life, 11, 12, 13, and 14, I was sent to high school from Chicago, the nice, normal city of Chicago, to Brooklyn, New York, to go to a high school. It was in the Bedford-Stuyvesant area of Brooklyn. Not a very, very, well, now it's actually somehow, I think, it's being gentrified. It was a pretty bad neighborhood, to say the least. That was the year i still remember that there were two great baseball players for the new york yankees called roger maris and mickey mantle if i may say and they were there was a race between them who would break the 60 home run hits in the season which was set by babe ruth so you can imagine that the sunday papers obviously or whatever it be the papers in the daily news at the time in the back page like it was full of this who is it Mantle is it Maris is it Maris is it Mantle a block away from the yeshiva that I was in there was a newsstand so I used to go over to the newsstand and every day you know it didn't couldn't care less about the paper when you're an 11 year boy you turn it around to the sports page did Maris do it did Mantle do it this was a big thing in those days well then right next to the church was something which is very typical of the uh of the afro-american ghettos of brooklyn at the time and that is a pentecostal church very charismatic now remember i come from a nice normal you know chicago never had pentecostal churches in our neighborhood didn't exist um i hardly ever saw afro-americans at the time They, they were. Worked around. It was in the southwest side of Chicago. Uh, the north side was something a bit more waspy. You know, and I, I and I used to listen to the prayers from that Pentecostal church. And I used to hear them say, I believe, I believe. And I was really taken. I said, I said, I love this davening I really do, do. The emotional forever, the and the singing, and yeah, you know, I hate to say this it, it was a very prayer session very beautiful, it was, it was taken, I always felt, why do we have that? Why are we so enthused and infuse? it's unbelievable, it's like, it was a beautiful happening, and they really believe, you felt, well, they believe, I wish I could get up and show say, I believe, and it bothered me, I was a little boy, a nice little 11-year-old kid, but then I noticed it across the street from the, um, from their shtiebel, from the church, we would call the kiddish hall, the uh, saloon, the bar. Well, they went in for their kiddish after their prayers and somehow they didn't walk out until Monday morning, (laughs) man. And then I suddenly realized, this is a realization of a young, curious 11-year-old boy. You can say, I believe from today to tomorrow in the most beautiful way, but then you go to your bar and you're there till Monday morning, and you're not exactly behaving in the most appropriate way. I'm not going to describe the lifestyle of Bedford-Stuyvesant. It's not enough to believe. You have to internalize. You have to know as much as you can. Internalize it. Move it, as I said, from the head to the heart. Widen out your neck to allow it to flow down as you become vivid and real. You know what the mitzvah of means that in light of after you realize that you said that you say, you know what that is? It means that you must love him so much because you internalize this so deeply that life is meaningless without him. You can't live if living is without you. And thus, if someone will tell me, deny his existence, if not, I will kill you, you will stretch your neck out because I can't live if living is without you. The commandment is to internalize the information of Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, so profoundly and deeply that the natural reaction to a decree of Avodah idolatry, or death, will say, sorry, my name is Juliet, I cannot live without Romeo. And you will give your life. There's no commandment there, get yourself killed. The commandment is internalize what you just said and love him so deeply that life would not be an option. So when we talk about um, why we do Averos, it's very simple. Because the reason for doing mitzvahs has not really been internalized. At the Beth, it's faith. It's not Yidea we fulfilling the ya'minu. We're not doing the viedu of the Ramban. We're not informed. Or we don't bother to learn it in depth until it's internalized and becomes real to us. We don't do what it takes to internalize our information. To transform it into emotional intelligence. A lot of different techniques for that, but this is not the form to deal with it. But that's the goal. The Gemara says a person sins because he's, um, he becomes a bit, uh, he's foolish. Man does not sin. He somehow some, some spirit of foolishness enters him. And where do we learn it from? We learned it from the passage, which describes the wayward wife, which is engaging in an adulterous relationship. And it's called, she acts as a fool, the sota. That's with a Shin, by the way, not with the Samach. She's sure that no one sees. She's sure she's going to get away with it. No, 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 no. You're seen. We think that no one sees. We think. Don't you believe? Yes, I believe that he's here. I don't feel he's here. I lack basic understanding and the knowledge of Anoichi Hashem Elokecha. You know what commands us to do tshuva? Not the, 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 that which commands us to constantly believe and know that we are in the presence of God. And that he is our creator, and the world is his, and the agenda is his. And by walking away from him, we are undermining our, our identity, our purpose, And by not realizing that everything we do is important to him and we are so important to him we're undermining our basic existence for he sees he is here he doesn't have to come from afar he doesn't have to cross the street he's with you constantly with you if you would internalize it it would feel so good it would feel great you know um Again in the draft boards of the 60s, so you used to have a picture of a uh, Uncle Sam with the funny hat and the beard, goatee. Uncle Sam wants you to go to Vietnam. Well, I once got something like that. That's true. my made a collage, a or rather a some kind of a Photoshop thing of um just a finger without a face, and it says, God wants you. And that's the truth. That's what an Okhir means. No, not just believe, that I, God says, and the primary existence from which everything comes and ultimately therefore you are in my service. That says we will do tshuva. That's why the world will do tshuva because the world will ultimately fulfill God's purpose and we are commanded to do tshuva because it's a truth because if we are to identify ourselves as what we really are, you obviously are going to do tshuva. So even if that wouldn't be a commandment, it would be a truth which is binding and the truth which is the source of all everything else. So now you know that although my mind does not see in the pasuk a mitzvah of doing tshuva, it's more than a mitzvah. It's the fundamental idea which is the source of all mitzvahs. Hashem Elokecha. Ultimately, when we walked away from, uh, from, we did sin, what was our problem? We walked away from Hashem Elokecha. We walked away from the idea and the thinking that He is the primary existent, and the source of all, and thus He is my Lord. And that's where you're allowed to make ourselves our own subjective, feelings and practices of Judaism we've decided to rewrite his book we, we forgot for one minute that we' the world is his and we're pawns on his board we cut him out of our minds and we live a life as if the world is ours and we are deciding the agenda so the pasuk says you know what shuva is you must go back to stand in the presence of the ultimate absolute existent that is the source of all expression of his will and of his capabilities and thus he is your Lord. You go back to that you've dealt with the core issue, not just with symptoms. chuva does not mean repent, it means return. Return to where you belong, Jojo. We belong standing in front of God. We turned our backs to it, because we never internalize this with Yidiya. We suffice it with, we're said we were happy with Emunah. And that's not enough. Emunah allows inconsistency of behavior. Yidiyah doesn't. I repeat, I stopped smoking years, years, 30 years ago. Because I suddenly realized and saw vividly what it does to me. If I had the same understanding about other things, I would probably be a much healthier person today. Now the other things I believe, so to speak, it did not become Yidiyah. that's why I transgress. If you want to grow in religion, you must learn how to internalize the knowledge. You must be informed. There is so much to learn and understand about this God. I assure you, the more you learn astronomy, botanics, or whatever it only be, and you realize the complexities of creation, of science, and then you realize all this is nothing more than an expression of an infinite God, you stand in crazy awe. The more you do that, the more you're informed about everything. It helps you internalize things, yes. When I, you know, put my eyes into a telescope and I, I look far and I suddenly realize the small kernel of nothing, which is Earth compared to the vast cosmos, in my mind pops up, my Ma Rabu secha Hashem, how great! are your creations god they're full of your knowledge the, the complexity of reality is unbelievably the complexity which is found in your infinite self why i want to get to know you more please let me know you pray for knowing him pray for engaging in deep thought and learning whatever it takes whatever discipline it takes in order to know and internalize those values of Anochi So we pray to God and we say, please, there's so many things stopping us from seeing this. Our comfort zones. <laughs> if I start honestly searching in a religious quest, it will disrupt my comfort zone. And most people don't want to do that. So you pray to God, please take away those things which stop me from knowing you and your way. I'm going to read you Rambam, my Maimonides in the sixth chapter of Tshuva, the fourth halacha. This, in this type of thing, righteous people and prophets ask God in their prayers to help them. They should find the true path. David, as our King David said, it's a pasuk in 25. Teach me, God, your ways. What does that mean? Go learn yourself. No, Lest my past sins, which have caused insensitivities, callousness, a comfort zone. These will all stop me. They won't allow me to go to serious religious quest. (laughs) Because if I will go to religious quest, I will know your ways. (laughs) I understand the uniqueness of what it means in absolute God. That, he says, please, please, please take away those things which stop me from being honest with myself and searching for knowing you. Let my inner will let me really do what I really want to do. Lest my sins will stop me. My comfort zone will stop me from realizing what I really want to do. And let me be religiously honest. Intellectually honest with my God. Let me have my own free will to control myself. Until I finally will stand in front of you and come back, I will understand, and I will internalize. These are the psukim, and we say, HaShiveinu Avinu God, there may not be a mitzvah of tshuva, but it's a basic Jewish fundamental idea, which is obligatory, for it's the truth. But there's so many things stopping me from knowing that. There's so many things that don't want to let me be honest, even in my search for knowledge and taking it for real. No. Bring us back to your teachings. Help us. Help us go back to your real learning, to really being honest in our learning in order to understand and to know. Ultimately, therefore, once we've got the core, Once we will internalize then this will bring me back to my sense of servitude. All this is for one thing. Bring us back with the total return of body and soul, cerebral and emotional to stand in front of you. And we will be in front of you. We will then fulfill a Hashem Alekecha. We will then fulfill the first Shivisi Hashem. I see God and place him the negdi in front of me, Tamid, forever and perpetually. Thank you for listening. I hope this will have an effect because um God should help. We should be my book of We should enhance the glory and awareness of God in this world. I once again want to thank and appreciate your beautiful community. It's a, The memories are unbelievable, and it's just so beautiful to think about it and to know such a beautiful program is happening where people really want to learn what they're saying and what they're dominating. Have a great day, afternoon, evening, wherever it is. Take care.
0: Okay. Wow. Um, that was a w- wonderful insight into the concept of tshuva in general. And at the very end of the, uh, the class there, Rabbi Bachman applied it to the words of the bracha. I'm gonna add just a couple of uh, small thoughts here. First of all, just in the, uh, in the course of understanding the words of the bracha once again, so this bracha is rather short. It only has fifteen words. Uh, fifteen is a number that corresponds to a great many things, as is mentioned in the Torah. But it's only a few words. Hashiveinu <speaking> Avinu <Hebrew> Return us, Hashem, to your Torah. Our Father, return us, our Father, to your Torah. It's very difficult for us to understand how to serve God. It's difficult, difficult for us to understand what not serving God can do to us, the pitfalls of sin. And therefore, the first step when asking for tshuva is asking us to understand you and your Torah, as Reb Blachman mentioned, building up the knowledge that then leads to being able to move our faith from the realm of believing as Rebbe mentioned, to the realm of, of knowing and internalizing feeling. That's ha'shivenu avinu We Beseech you, O oh, our Father, return us to your Torah, which teaches us the way. V'karvenu malkeinu la'avodasekha and bring us closer, our King, to your service because our service is very, very broad. I recently had a call from a Um, a woman currently residing in Chattanooga. Uh, Not uncommon to have these calls, and she's stumbled into Jewish thought, like to know more about it, like to research the notion of the possibility of conversion. And I talked to her about the the centrality of Jewish learning, how there's so much to learn and so much to know. And she said, oh, is that the Ten Commandments? I said, no, it's a bit bit more than that. And she said oh is that the 13 principles of faith i said no you apparently you're you're already somewhat well read and that's that's uh, that's very important to know it's central but there's it's more than that and uh you know i told her about the 613 mitzvahs <laughs> and that was that was very surprising to her she looked it up and saw and uh you know and, and saw what we're talking about there's so much to know and so many areas in which we can grow and connect to hashem that's Karvenu secha, to your service which is so broad, there's so many angles, and we need to know what's the path in it for us. What is not, not, what I mean, what's in it for us, but what is our duty? In what area of Torah do we need to excel? What area of avoda do we need to excel? We need guidance. We need him to constantly guide us in that, uh, in our lives. And therefore, we say, karvena malkeinu, our king la'avodasecha. And then we can conclude, and return us in complete uh, tshuva, before you. Ultimate, complete tshuva is the one that leads us to you, before you. So that's what we're asking for. We're asking for this Torah knowledge, for guidance in general observance of mitzvot, and we're asking that all that, and his, uh, and his motivation should lead us to him, lefanecha, to him as we began the class talking about how we can be very spiritually active um, performing mitzvahs and, and even learning Torah and yet missing somewhat of that inner, inner connection of having the Torah lead us to him, having a mitzvah lead us to a greater connection to him. And that's what we're talking about when we say tshuva shlema, complete tshuva. Tshuva can be performed for many reasons. One can be led to understand that there is punishment at the end, and that could really spur a person into action. That's a very high level of belief. But that's not complete tshuva. One can be spurred into action because of societal pressure or even internal pressure, guilt. And that can be very motivating. Uh, Guilt is not a good thing but in some ways it could be very motiv- it, it, there are motivating aspects of it that can be good that's not tshuva shlema Tshuva shlema is when we want to return to you because we want to be close to you we want our chuva to be complete for the sake of you because you want it you want us you want our service as ray alahmin colorfully mentioned hashem wants you that's chuva shlema that's complete tshuva, lifa necha before you bringing us back to you and then we say Hashem, Blessed are you Hashem, Who wants our tshuva? He wants it from us. He's not lording over us, so to speak, and uh, and 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 telling us to come towards him. He wants us to do tshuva, and he is ready and willing and able to to help us. As the uh, the medrash says, uh, I came across this beautiful medrash when I was looking looking into this bracha. The medrash says. Um, Medrash Eicha Raba says, "Hashiveinu Hashem elcha." When the the verse says at the end of end of, uh, of Eicha, "Hashem return us to you," Amra Knesses Israel lefnei Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the collective entity of Klai Israel says to Hashem, "Ribono Shelcha Hu Hashiveinu." Hashem, this is your responsibility. Hashiveinu, return us. Go ahead, Amr Lahem. Hashem is back to them, to us. <laughs> no, it's it's for you. It's for you to to to, to uh to move towards me. And the the, the concludes with a verse in Malachi, <inaudible> return to me and I'll return to you, says says Hashem. So this is a constant dance, this this uh idea that we need Hashem in order to do tshuva, but he needs us to take the very first step in order to help us. You know, the, the, um, the, uh, there's a famous question about this idea of asking Hashem for tshuva. The Gemara says, We're asking Hashem for tshuva. We're asking Hashem to help us return to Him. That's something in the realm of yira tshuva, the fear of heaven. The Gemara says, all is in the hands of heaven, except for fear of heaven. The classic understanding of which is that uh, we can beseech heaven for anything, but when it comes to Yir Shemayim, we have to really invest ourselves. We're the ones who have to uh, take that step. We have to, um, we're responsible for our Yir Shemayim. It's not Bidei shemaim. It's not in the hands of heaven. It's in our hands. So what does this idea mean? What is it that is not in the realm of, of, of Hashem's ability to help us? So my father, Zacheron of the told me that the Kotzke Rebbe, uh, the Kotzke Rebbe sharply interpreted a novel interpretation of these words. What he said, and I'll conclude with this thought, he said, Hakol Everything is in the hands of heaven to decide if heaven wants to grant you what you ask or not. You can ask, as we'll talk about in the coming brachos, in the coming weeks, we'll have more opportunity to learn together, God willing, and we'll learn about all the things we need to ask of Hashem and what they mean to us. And in every one of those things, Hashem, so to speak, has the right to decide either yes or no, for whatever reason. Chutz mi Hakol bidei Everything is in the hands of heaven. He could decide... If we if to grant us or not, chutz mi except for fear of heaven. Fear of heaven, guaranteed. Guaranteed. If you ask for it, it's guaranteed. Everything else, heaven can decide if to grant it to you. Yirashimaim is guaranteed. But when is that? When is that? Shuvah Eli, return to me. Then a Shuvah then I'll return to you. We have to take the very first step. Once we take the first step then Hashem will pull us towards, towards him and we'll run after him. So that's, uh, and perhaps if we have this understanding of the bracha, we internalize some of the messages that Valachman taught us, some of, these, uh, some of these insights into the words that I'm concluding with. And just in general, by taking the time out each and every week and especially this week to invest time into understanding the bracha tshuva, the next time we open our mouths to recite this bracha, that is the first step. First step is understanding the bracha of meaning, uh, what we say, understanding what we say. And right now, you are all, everyone on this call, everybody in, the, in this Zoom meeting, everybody who's going to be listening afterwards, you are engaged in that first step. And so, with that, I give us all a bracha that Hakol uh, b'DeShemayim chutz the bracha aspect of, of which that when we turn to Hashem, He will bring us closer towards Him. And this should be that first step. Thank you all for joining me tonight. Look forward to seeing you next week. We'll be proceeding to the next bracha of Salah lanu. forgiveness. That will be a, that will be uh presented by Rabbi David Saperman of the Anima Min Foundation and uh, I look forward to seeing you then. Have a good night.